Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom. This is the Chiefs Take Podcast. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. You guys will be hearing this on Thursday. Cody, what's it another Wednesday of talking about? Another Wednesday talking about the Chiefs W. But Caleb, it's not Cody? as sweet as last Wednesday after we beat the Raiders. It's not that sweet, but it's almost as sweet as it gets. We went to Tampa Bay, took down Tom Brady. We didn't just go to Tampa Bay and take down Tom Brady. The Kansas City football Chiefs went to Tampa Bay, and they blew the doors down. Cody, let's just start with some numbers because there were a couple of guys that play football for the Chiefs that might have had what you call a historic day. And I'm thinking about mainly, number one, the front runner for MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Why don't you hit the listeners with his stat line for this contest? Yeah, he had a he had a solid game. He threw 37 of 49, 462 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he had a ridiculously high QBR of 91 and a passer rating of 124.7. And you look at that and you go, "Man, what was he doing? Was he spreading the love?" Well, then you got Tyree Kill who started the day at like 13th in the NFL in receiving and uh well, he was – he's number one in receiving after the end of the day, after that football game. And he also helped me win a little bit of money on DraftKings this week. Why don't you uh, – why don't you read to these people about um, perhaps the best receiver in football and what he did to Tampa Bay and why, why – what's his face, uh, Carlton Davis? Is that the cornerback? Yeah, Carlton Davis. He had a long day. Carlton Davis he had is in a the long – He's in, he's in the witness protection program now. <laughs> I made a tweet that after the third touchdown, Carlton Davis was going to his defensive coordinator asking him, why do you keep leaving me one-on-one? And I also would be interested to go back and see what the Chiefs saw on film that when they had Tyreek one-on-one with Carlton Davis, they would take the shots. Because I haven't really seen that from the Chiefs in a long time where it was single coverage and they're just going to throw it as far and as deep as they can to Tyreek Hill. I think I saw something on that, but I'll go ahead and let you – I'll get into that in a second – Let's hear Tyree Kill's stat line from this game because it was arguably the most ridiculous receiver stat line I think we've seen in a long time. He had 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns. And he had 203 long- yards and three touchdowns in the first quarter. He averaged 20.7 yards of reception, and his longest reception was 75 yards. And for those of you fantasy football guys, this was my first week ever doing daily fantasy. I didn't know what I was doing. I drafted a bunch of guys that got me like – two or three points, and Tyree Kill got me 60. 
So I want a little bit of money this week off of that. It made me happy. So I'm going to just keep taking those guys. Cody, this is one of the most ridiculous offensive performances I think we've seen in a long time. And I think it is safe to say the long ball is back in KC. Yeah, I think it's safe to say it's back as well. And it's kind of, well, we called it last week on the show. Remember, one of our Chiefs takes was the Chiefs would have three big plays over 40 yards. So we we did expect this just based on what the Buccaneers have shown on film that they do bust coverages. Caleb, and to go back to it, Mahomes could have thrown for 500 yards and four touchdowns if he throws a little bit better ball or Cole turns around and catches that ball. He's going to take that 180 yards. That's how crazy this whole thing is. We're sitting here talking about how much better the Chiefs could have been and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes went on the war path this week. Cody, the thing that I noticed on film, I think we've seen it the, very much so the last few weeks of the season. The Chiefs have been using Tyreek Hill in motions to induce other players open. Tyreek Hill's still getting his touches and catches. Do you know who yes. this week, after dominating the last three or four weeks of the season, the Chiefs were using as their motion man? They're using Travis Kelsey this week, and he still caught 80. He still had 80 receiving yards this week off of eight catches which is even crazier considering what Hill was doing. But on a, one of the touchdowns, they motioned uh, Kelsey all the way across the field, and then they dropped Carlton Davis back a little bit further on Hill, but they took their single high safety and they moved one of their safeties over to the left a little bit, and they left a guy in the middle of the field, and he was all eyes on Kelsey the entire time. Well, you see it. You can kind of see Tyreek Hill leaning forward a little bit more in his stance than normal, like he's getting ready for a very big explosive play. And as soon as he snaps it, I mean, as soon as the ball is snapped, there is no hesitation from Hill at all. He is going full gas. But the safety voiding the play, pretty I mean, it's stupid. Playing man on man with a one safety on the Chiefs is about as dumb as it takes. I didn't expect that from a smart defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles, but I think that's just the result of weeks upon weeks of the Chiefs being patient and being rewarded by going to the short game, going to the intermediate game, and then we got to see it all work out this week perfectly. Caleb, on all three of those deep balls, the three deepest completions, before Mahomes threw the ball to Tyreek, he wasn't even looking at him. He was looking that safety off. I I know exactly what plays you're talking about. He was looking directly at Anton Winfield. And if you're a rookie playing in the NFL, who, by the way, he's had a spectacular rookie season, and you have Travis Kelsey – and Sammy Watkins crossing your face, running by, and Mahomes is staring down the middle of the field. You really, you really aren't even thinking about Tyreek. And then last second, Mahomes turns over and knows that he's got Tyreek one-on-one. He took that matchup consistently, and that's why Tyreek had the big first quarter that he had. You know, and I know we're talking about the deep balls, but you know what I thought was such a fun, creatively designed play? The very first play of the game. When they yeah. motion Hill across – They motioned him across, and he goes immediately into a wheel route with Kelsey running like a little stick route for 15 yards in the middle of the field. Meanwhile, they're sitting here, the secondary players sitting here watching this, that corner, and Mahomes is showing the handoff to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And so he's seen all this happening, and I think his computer just got overloaded, and (laughs) and Mahomes perfectly leads Hill in stride. It's a big rip to open up the game. I think Andy Reid knew coming into this one they wanted to take shots. And I think that since this very well could be the last meeting between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, they came out and the Chiefs were ready to really 
show whose league it is now if there was ever any question in anyone's mind. Yeah, didn't the first play of the game just kind of feel like, you know, we're just loading the cannons for what was to become. But on that play, I noticed that we tried to run that play very similarly. Um, I think in the second half, we tried to set it up. I think Tampa was in a different defense. I didn't go back and look at it on film, but just watching it from the game and what both safeties were doing, it looked to be some type of cover two, and Mahomes just threw the whole shot. That's kind of the hole in the coverage. But the other time they ran it in the second half, Todd Bowles obviously adjusted after the first mm-hmm. quarter and just started playing deep. And they were going to do what most teams do, is just let the Chiefs have the short stuff. Yeah, they after that first half, I think they realized that they had to stop. Well, even in the second half, they still left Carlton Davis one-on-one versus Tyree Kill in the red zone for whatever reason. And, you know, I thought he actually played him pretty well, but Mahomes just put an absolute perfect pass on Hill, and Hill just jumped up and caught it in stride for a touchdown. And there's really nothing that that guy can even do at that point because it's one thing to get burned twice. It's another thing, and you know this is a (laughs) secondary player. It's a whole nother thing to be like in a dude's grill, playing him as perfectly as you can and kind of turn your head. And all of a sudden you look up and the ball is already there and it's in Tyree Kill's hand out in front of you. Just nothing yeah, you can do really, about that. No. Better offense beats better defense 100% of the time. But as a defender there, there's really nothing you can do. And people aren't talking about how good of a throw that actually is. The combination of touch and velocity, very, very few quarterbacks in the NFL can make that throw. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's probably – five of them and the I would love to see the probability of that throw even being completed after it's thrown because it I mean it it was just a perfect ball I would say Aaron Rodgers obviously uh I would say Matt Stafford could probably make that throw Tom Brady when he's when he's feeling himself he made a very similar throw in the game actually Mm -hmm. uh who else Russell yeah Russell Wilson he could probably make that throw as well yeah and then aside from that, you know, names like Josh Allen come to mind. I think Josh Allen doesn't have enough touch on his ball. Carson Wentz has the ability, but with how inconsistent he's been all season, I don't, I don't want to say that he can make that throw, not at that point in the game. No, definitely not. It's just so crazy to see just – I mean, because we literally – this was like the perfect Patrick Mahomes football game if there ever is such a thing because it seems like every time we watch the Chiefs play, it is – we start out and we see just the creative play calling from Andy Reid and we get to see him hitting dudes in stride. And then we get to see him load up. And we all know that when you load up, you just start to get that happy feeling. And he loads up and unloads a few. And then we get to just see the perfect pass, the perfect touch. Moving away from Tyreek Hill and Mahomes a little bit, I thought Travis Kelsey also played a very good game. And if you look at the stats, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill – Travis Kelsey is number two in the league in receiving, and Tyree Kill is number one after this performance. Where do you think this stands in the history of football as far as a trio of players, which I said I was going to get away from it. I'm not getting away from those two dudes. I'm just bringing Travis Kelsey back into it because we're not talking about him, and he had another game where he's averaging 10 yards a catch, and he had 80 yards receiving, and he almost threw a touchdown pass also. That trick play got kind of bungled on the goal line. But still, I mean, it was an incredibly drawn-up play, and it was another incredible performance from Travis Kelsey. Two questions for you based on that. Where do the Chiefs rank their trio in the history of the NFL as far as quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends go? And where does Travis Kelsey, do you think, does he stand right now on the all-time list of tight ends? 
Oof, Travis Kelsey on the all-time list of tight ends. It's hard for me not to say that he's not already a top five tight end of all time. You know, you've got people like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez. I am I am biased, and that is a Chiefs take. So it's hard for me to put him up at top five. I think he's approaching it very quickly. I think he's having one of the best seasons the tight end has ever had in the NFL. Uh, normally you don't talk about tight ends being in the conversation of leading the league in, in yards, but right now he's sitting at number three after the monster – game that DK Metcalf had Mm, Um, I forgot about that yeah so DK Metcalf's number one in the league in receiving I think he had like a 200 yard game Um, Tyreek Hill's second and I think he's like what 30 yards above Travis maybe something like that yeah Uh, but as far as where do they rank in the trios I don't think in my lifetime I've seen a trio this good the only one that I can think of is uh, back to probably, what, 2016 when it was Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Now, Le'Veon Bell's a running back. He's not a, neither a tight end nor a receiver. But as far as just a trio goes, that would be the only trio in my life I remember being as dominant as I'm seeing Travis Kelsey, Tyreek, and Mahomes are right now. I don't even know if I can remember. I'm trying to think back to some of those Patriots teams. I mean, they had Randy Moss the year they were undefeated. But still, that's not quite a trio, even though he was wow. – they didn't quite go undefeated either. Steve Spagnola had something to say about that. I, I mean, it's just – I struggle to think of something. I remember – I mean, it's really hard. I mean, the yeah, Pittsburgh with A.B. and L.B. And speaking of old Le'Veon Bell, Cody, he kind of had a, a little underrated performance. I mean, I know he wasn't the main entree of the game this week by any stretch of the imagination. Cody, that one pass he caught where he should have gotten tackled and he just juked everyone out of their shoes and made that out of eight yards, that's what Le'Veon Bell does. And that's what he's been doing in the NFL for a long time. And there was a couple of runs he had where, you know, Clyde was in there trying to hit the hole as hard as he could and just ride through contact. Bell was slightly more patient, let it develop out, and he was hitting the hole. I think this week we saw him gain a lot of momentum. And I think he built off of that from last week. Do you think – I think we're going to see LB play a bigger role in the offense moving forward because I just think it's too tantalizing for us to be able to see what he can do in space by himself and then just, like, knowing what we can get him going to if they can just, like, get him going into the player they need him to be or want him to be. Yeah. Yeah, and we kind of touched on this last week that, you know, for the people saying or wondering whether Le'Veon Bell has any juice left, it's clear. He's got some juice left. And I think – you know, we, if you didn't see it when we played Tampa Bay, then I, I have to question, you know, what game you're watching. He, he's he got this ability still that he had in Pittsburgh to just make people miss. And when you make people miss, all that is is extra yardage. I don't know if he's got any big playability left in him. I think him and Clyde are a hell of a duo when you talk about just being able to gain, gain yards, stay on your feet, um, run your feet after contact. They seem to be – two guys that do it really, really well, but I agree with you. I think we'll see a lot more of Le'Veon Bell going forward. I think just because of his ability to make something out of nothing, whereas last week we didn't see a lot of that from Clyde, and that's probably why late in the game you were seeing Le'Veon in there in the backfield and not Clyde. And, you know, I think a lot of that also has to go down to he can make something out of nothing a little bit better than Clyde can. He kind of had a hot hand. The Chiefs offensive line, you know, they started out and played as good as they could for about two quarters, but – you can't disguise that. We really saw them struggle. And I think one of the biggest disappointing things of the game I saw was the Chiefs are going into score. And, you know, 
Eric Fisher's having a good season, but Eric Fisher got beat badly off the edge by Shaq Barrett, and Shaq Barrett gets the strip sack on Mahomes as the Chiefs are in the red zone going in to score. If the Chiefs score there, in my opinion, the game is like the game's toast at that point. I don't think there's any shot Tampa Bay comes back, and I think they're playing with a different mindset the rest of the game yep. than what they had to rally and play with and eventually come back and make it close. But again, the Chiefs offensive line gave up two sacks, and I feel like they left a lot out there. I know they had a good front with Jason Pierre-Paul and Donovan Sue, Shaq Barrett, and uh, Raheem Nunez-Roches in there. It's a t- it's a t- it was a tough unit for them to have to face. But again, we're just not seeing the consistency. And the two culprits, again, seem to be Eric Fisher getting beat badly on just one pass. And Eric Fisher, I always feel bad for him because he usually plays close to a high parade. He usually grades out every game at around like a 75 78%. And he's done that for this entire season. And I mean, that's what I look at personally. But he's just that one big play that he gets beat on every game always ends up. But then you got guys like Wiley and Ryder who they get beat consistently. And you just can't compound that into success by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, do you have anything to say about the Chiefs offensive line at all? Because I really think I I feel like I've just worn it out the last few weeks that they got to get some more IOL help. And, I mean, hopefully Martinez Rankin can get healthy. Hopefully they can try to get Stevan Wisniewski some looks in there. But, I mean, if I'm Andy Reid and I'm a, if I'm offensive line coach, Andy Heck or Biennemi, you've just at some point got to be tired of constantly, constantly, constantly watching Andrew Wiley get routinely beat on routine plays. And then there's two holding calls that took away at least 30 yards receiving from Travis Kelsey and killed drives. So, I just – I'm getting sick of it. Yeah, without those two holding calls, we're probably talking about Travis Kelsey as the, you know, second in the NFL in receiving yards. But I agree with you. But I'm I'm not as shocked by it just because I kind of expected our offensive line to struggle. Um, I noticed that we chipped a lot with our running backs and tight ends. I'm not shocked by our it. Tackles out. It just pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it seems like that's kind of been the theme, right? For the last three while now, since Mahomes got here, the whole theme of the offense. Well, I guess, yeah, actually, since Mahomes got here, the whole theme is the offensive line's average. And now that Mitchell Schwartz might never play again, it's being even more exposed. So, I don't know. Andy Reid's just going to have to keep scheming it up. But it's just frustrating. They have yeah. to address They have to address the offensive line in this offseason. I just feel like that's a must-address position above all else just for the long-term health of Patrick Mahomes. Right. Hopefully, best-case scenario, we get Niang back next – next year who he's supposed to be a hell of a prospect especially pass blocking and then Mitchell Swartz I know he's got a back injury so we'll never really know the full extent of how severe it is but I thought that was one of those games where it's we seem to miss Mitchell Swartz badly where Mahomes could feel like one side of the line was was protected and he can roll out that way especially his right side um we're talking about Mahomes. I don't when they had when they had L, and when they had LDT in there also he was more comfortable right now also right Um, so he should he should be back next year I would think um I saw him actually tweet the other day that he missed football I was like well dude why don't you just come back well Well, thank you I bet you he would start right away right I I actually Caleb what's scary mm -hmm. is is Tampa Bay is missing one of their best defensive linemen now I don't necessarily consider Vita V a pass rusher but as far as just a presence on that D line they're missing that 
Now, I do think that front seven of Tampa Bay, there's something to be said about that front seven. That front seven might be one of the best front sevens in the last 10 to 15 years in the They're NFL. nasty. Devin White's nasty. Yeah, he, he's turned into a hell of a player. He missed a lot of last year because of injuries. But Levante David, Shaq Barrett, V to V, I know he didn't play. Jason Pierre-Paul, Adama Kinsu. It, I mean, that that's a lot to handle up front. And I thought while the Chiefs did struggle and they did kill a couple drives that could have put them away, if we could have scored and Mahomes didn't fumble, I think that Tampa Bay is in a situation where they have to fully commit to the pass. And by them being able to mix in the run in the pass in the second half, I thought you could see the cat and mouse between Spags and their offensive coordinator. So You know, and yeah, I think that would be a good time to transition into the defensive part of the show where we talk about the defensive players. Because I know a lot of the Chiefs kingdom is getting fed up with Steve Spagnola for some reason just because the Chiefs have given up a few points in the month in November. It's the NFL. The other guys get paid too. And whenever teams come out to play the Chiefs, they're going to be ready to beat them. That being said yeah, – yeah. Yeah, that being said, though, the Chiefs' first – the I think the Patriots' first four drives of the game, they didn't get any points out of that. And you cannot do that and expect to beat the Chiefs. You just can't do it. I don't care no. who you have. You cannot – you have to be – like, what? because what we saw last week, what did the Raiders do? The Raiders had to play flawlessly all game just to be able to stay in the game and still wasn't And enough. they did. They did stay in the minutes. game for 58 minutes. But you know what? That last two, though, that's what Jonathan Abrams not all about is the last two. He's not about that last 120. He's about the first 58. <laughs> right. No. But, the, I mean, the Chiefs' defense comes out. They heat up Tom Brady. Anthony Hitchens gets a couple of really nice pet blitzes, and they're heating him up. They're making him throw quick. He's not very accurate anymore. He has no mobility left at all. He's an old man. He's elderly <laughs> back there playing quarterback. He's probably – he's probably close to being having to retire now and now people are starting to question Bruce Arians and I'm like people are questioning Bruce Arians but Tom Brady is throwing some terrible passes at the same time and at the same time I thought the Chiefs had a good game plan to come out and start the game defensively yeah defensively it was pretty clear that we were going to send pressure and that's what we said last week the teams that have had the most success against Tampa are teams that are, are really good up front which I think I'm not going to say the Chiefs aren't good up front. I'm, I'm unsure of it at this point just based on how they've played. but Or the teams that have got home with blitzes, and our blitzes hadn't got home. So in the beginning of the, in, at the beginning of the Tampa Bay game, we were our up front was playing fairly solid, but our blitzes were getting home, and I think that was the biggest deal. Back to your Tom Brady point, because I've looked into this actually quite a bit, and I am more on the Tony Romo side. And for those that may not have watched the game or didn't listen to the volume, because I do know there's fans that do that, Tony Romo was more or less for three hours defending Tom Brady and saying that it's not his fault. He has thrown some bad interceptions this year, but I don't think Tom Brady – Tom Brady's been with the Patriots for the last 20 years, and the, the Patriots' identity for the last 20 years is just dink and dunk football, except for the one year when they had Randy Moss and he scored 23 touchdowns. Now <laughs> Tom Brady is in an offense that wants to throw the ball down the field, and Tom Brady right now is leading the league in air yardage, completed or incompleted, it doesn't matter which is completely out of Tom's game. So it's not all Tom Brady's fault. I still actually think Tom Brady has a lot left in the tank. I do think he's got one or one or two more years. Just based really? on his movement in the pocket, yeah, and how the ball was delivered on, on some throws. You, you know it was a bad interception he threw, though? 
when he threw it off at Daniel's when he threw it off at Daniel Swartz's <laughs> helmet. Tyron Matthew got the Tyron got the gift of the century on that one. That was oh, yeah. a that was a present from Mr. Brady, but that was a gift from the football gods. Thank you for working so hard and loving football so much. Here yeah, you go. The Chiefs defense did also, while they shut they didn't let them score at all the first three or four possessions of the game. They also came out and got two interceptions, and one of them was from Mr. Bashad Breland, who I thought turned around his performance quite well from about a week before when, you know, it wasn't his best game. But I think he's still playing at a very high level of football even after this week. And you know what? They have big-time talent guys like Mike Evans. Bashad Breland said, all right, let's do it. Let's step up and cover him. Yep, I thought Bashad Breland's easily easily our best corner. He might even right now with these last two or three games be one of our best secondary players just based off of consistency. One of our best defensive players in general. Because, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get into something here in a little bit because there's just one position unit that's not doing diddly squat right now. We'll get into that here in a minute, though. <laughs> Whose fault – Who? how did he get that inter- – break, break down the interception he got, though, on Bashad. Both Bashad interceptions got. were very, very simple. We were sending more than they could block, and the ball had to come out hot. When you have a guy like Mike Evans, I do understand just throw it up to him, give him a chance because Mike Evans is probably, next to Tyreek Hill, one of the best deep threats in the game, and he's not even that fast. So I do understand it. And then the other play, the other interception, um, was another blitz uh, that was supposed to be to Mike Evans, and he just didn't sit down. He just didn't replace the blitzer. So b- both of them were just caused by pressure, in which that's, that's been Tom Brady's thing all year. He just hasn't handled pressure very well. And when you pressure him and if you get home, he throws you the ball. You know why he handled pressure well when he was in New England? Because there was always someone standing five yards away un, unbothered. Yep. And like yep. in the 2018 AFC Championship game, Bob Sutton said, oh, let's try to run a few blitzes at him. And then it was what, like Sonny Michelle would be standing there like in the flat three yards away and he'd have like 20 yards to go down the field and make guys like Orlando Skandrick miss tackles and all those kinds of things. Right. But, did you ever – did you catch Tony Romo's? Um, analysis of that I did not what did so based say? on so Tampa Bay is a heavy uh, run the ball play action pass down the field now mm-hmm. Tampa Bay wasn't able to run the ball very successfully so the play action didn't seem to work all that well but when you have that kind of scheme you only have one maybe two checkdowns on the play so if you're getting pressured if both of those checkdowns or one of those checkdowns are covered you're forced to hold on to the ball mm-hmm. or force or force a throw, which, you know, in the NFL can usually result in turnovers. But New England, he was having one guy down the field and three or four guys in the flats or short for checkdowns able to just throw into the blitzes. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have that option available. And that's why I think you're seeing so much um, blitzes be so effective against him. Now I'm looking at this, though, because I don't even think Tampa Bay really tried to establish too much of a running game. Because you said they didn't run the ball effectively. They averaged 5.8 yards a carry. Ronald Jones averaged 7.3 for 66 on nine. And Leonard Fournette, he didn't – Leonard Fournette's not very good. I hate to break to the people who thought Leonard Fournette was going to be a stud. <laughs> but he couldn't even do that. And I think Tampa Bay has one of the top-tier offensive lines in the NFL at the same time. They have Tristan Wirfs, who's going to be a future yeah. multiple-time Pro Bowler. Ollie Marpet, who PFF always grades out high, and I do as well. Ryan Jensen, the highest paid center in the league. So, I mean, they got some dudes along their offensive line. So, I really don't think – They do. 
But I think that they were just like Bruce Arians was like, well, crap, we're not going to be able to keep up with these guys if we try to run yeah. we and they do something. And also, I think that goes back to last week. The Chiefs actually stopped the run last week, and I think that kind of spooked Bruce Arians away from it. Probably. And effectively is probably not the right word to use because if you look at the stats, they were pretty efficient in the run game. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at just the stats, you're probably wondering why they didn't run the ball more. But when you do get down 17 points to the Chiefs, especially in the first quarter, you're wondering. It's more It's more of a race of who can get to 51st. So <laughs> I think them being down took the run out of the playbook to where the Chiefs didn't have to worry about it as much. But it still goes back to what I kind of touched on earlier in the second half, us not finishing on some of those drives. They were still – you know, within 10 points, within a touchdown, that you could see some of that cat, cat and mouse game a little bit. But, yeah, yeah effectively is probably not the word to use. They did run the ball pretty efficiently. Well, you know what? Actually, before we get into the things that bother me real quick, I thought Anthony Hitchens played another good football game. I thought Damian Wilson played a terrible football game because he got completely outrun on that <laughs> one. T- he got so outrun on that one touchdown, it wasn't even funny. But, like, Anthony, it's just good Are you football talking about game. The Ronald Jones. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had like this really fast linebacker that was good at running people down and making athletic yep. plays and covering stuff. We don't have it, anyone like that. Could though. you imagine if we had an athletic linebacker <laughs> that could cover running backs out in space and make them change speeds or make them do something other than just run by them? Maybe like a dude who made, maybe like a dude who made a bunch of really good plays last week or something like that. Or maybe a dude who, like, against Carolina when they were trying to kill us with that kind of stuff, like, stepped up and made several giant plays in the first quarter. Cody, what are we doing with Willie Gay? Because I think last week we were like, okay, they're flipping the switch. We're flipping the switch. And then Spags is just like, no. Cody, he went from playing the best game of his football career, probably of his life, against the Las Vegas Raiders to playing a single snap. I think he played one snap, right? He played a single snap. I, Caleb, I couldn't – I don't know. I, I don't I know. I have no idea. You could say that it's because, you know, we're on the road at Tampa. It's a big game. But I don't think there's a single person that didn't consider – football coach, analyst, fan that didn't consider Raider Week a big game. And he played, what, 70% of the snaps that game? I, Caleb, I, 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 I'm, I don't know why he doesn't play. Cody, let me tell you, to all of our listeners and to everybody out there right now, if anybody tells you they know why Willie Gay is not playing, they're lying to you. Nobody knows. They're lying. lying. It's just like like when JFK got assassinated. No one has any clue what actually happened. It's just a bunch of speculation. And I just – Actually, there's 53 people that know why Willie Gay is not playing. And they all play for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's something that's in the locker room, and it's not going to get out. You gotta, you gotta never get out. You gotta get a hold of Cam to get a hold of Tayamu to get a hold of somebody so we can figure out what's going on. I would, but Tayamu doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore. They cut him. Well, he probably still has someone's number. He could probably cut, dial up Hendog or somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't get it. That was one thing that made me mad. You know what else made me mad? Our pass rush. You know, Hey it's, man, we Caleb, you just can't have a game where you have Chris Jones and Frank Clark on your defense. Those are two players that teams are going to game plan for and they're going to set protections based on where those guys are lined up. But you can't have two games 
where your only effective pressure from your defensive line is from Alex Okafor. Alex and, Mike, and Mike Dana. And a late-round draft pick. And I don't even think Mike Dana is that bad, but he's not a spe- pass rush specialist by any stretch of the oh. imagination. Cody, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, okay. They are, Frank Clark is making the most money of any player on the Chiefs roster. He's making like $18 million this year. $18 million, that's about 18% of the total cap. Chris Jones is not quite on that big because I don't think his extension starts until next year. He's still making a significant portion of the cap. They combined, between the two of them, they combined for one tackle, okay, one tackle and three quarterback hits. Jesus. So what I'm going to say is I don't understand how we can go from, like, a few weeks ago, it looked like Frank Clark and Chris Jones earlier this season could be the best pass-rushing duo in the NFL back to the point where they have been shut out now in two straight weeks. And, you know, even against the Carolina game that we were at before the bye, those guys, Frank Clark had one sack that was a low-quality sack. It would be rated a low-quality sack because it was a coverage sack because our secondary is playing well downfield. And Chris Jones got recorded one sack for that game because he tackled Teddy Bridgewater right at the line of scrimmage. Since then, I don't think those guys have been in the backfield at all. And it's just, Cody, I just can't understand it. But here's the thing I always say to people. People, people get mad at Ben. I think I touch on this every week. People get mad a lot that, like, Ben Neiman's not very good and that, like, Damian Wilson's not very good and, like, that Alex is an average player and Daniel Sorensen's average and they really want to handle yeah. those guys when they mess up. Yeah. Those guys do not make up anywhere near significantly as much as the salary cap percentage than Chris Jones and Frank yeah. Clark do. Chris Jones and Frank Clark, they between two guys, they almost make up a quarter of our salary cap. A qu- One-fourth of the Chiefs' salary cap right now is commanded by two defense tackles who came out and got three quarterback hits, didn't get close to a sack. One of those on Chris Jones could have been roughing the passer, and they got one total tackle. One of them on Frank Clark was probably roughing the passer. Twice, actually, twice. It was it was unacceptable, Cody. It's unacceptable. It's, uh, yeah, we don't we don't pay some of those Damian Wilson, Daniel Sorensen, we don't pay those guys enough to be able to depend on them to be our biggest impacts on defense. You know what? If Daniel Sorensen gives up a play on the last play of the game, I don't care. You know what? Because I'm not gonna blame him for giving up the big play. Because you know whose fault it is that it even came down for him having to guard that person in the first place? The fact that, that our $200 million pass rush couldn't get back there and make anything up. No game the Chiefs ever play while Patrick Mahomes is here will ever come down to actually Daniel Sorensen one-on-one to make a play yeah. to win. But it could possibly quite come down to Chris Jones and Frank Clark not being able to rush the pass. And if you look at the teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year, some really good offensive lines. I'm specifically thinking about I'm specifically thinking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though in that football game today, if we want to get into that a little bit when we're done talking about this. Caleb, I'm not worried about Pittsburgh. Well, the Steelers, they barely barely beat Baltimore's JV. They barely beat the Ravens junior varsity today. So I'm not really worried about anyone, but it'll be interesting. I mean, this week, hopefully it's a get-right game for the defensive lines. Denver Broncos offensive line. Chris Jones is notorious at abusing those guys. Frank Clark has been in the past notorious, but he hasn't been. 
anywhere in the last few weeks. Those guys have got to step up, and they've got to step up big. They have to. It's, you know, it all you're you're saying all of that, and it kind of brings me back to the to the point that we were talking about even before the show about personnel and what mm-hmm. the spags to do with personnel. Now I don't know why talking about the lack of production from two of our supposed to be our best players and highest paid players on defense not getting production. I would love to give them the excuse that, well, you know, we were really focused on the run, stopping the run, containing the run, so they really probably weren't in pass rush mode. But Caleb, at one point, they're down 17. And one, exactly. And that's what frustrated me. I mean, and Bruce Arians, you know, his famous saying is risk it for the biscuit. They're down 17. What do you think they're going to do? Are they going to sit there and let Leonard Fournette muddle it up in a cloud of dust for three yards? Or are they going to say, right. all right, guys, we got to get some pressure here because they're about to try to throw it to Mike Evans a bunch of times. Caleb, I remember a time very shortly, probably a year, year and a half ago, where if it was third and six plus, you knew that our pass rush was going to get home if we had three, four, or five guys. I can't recall one play last this past Sunday that it was third down or second and long, and you knew they were in a passing situation, and it seems like we got there rushing three or four. It's just – it's mind-boggling. I still don't get but, it. But back to what I was saying about the personnel questions, there's – I to me, there is a, a lack of trust and a lack of – uh, confidence on that defense. And I, I'm not talking about the, the confidence that you look at a guy and you go, wow, that, that guy plays with confidence. I'm talking about the belief in each other on defense because when you play defense, the, the biggest thing is trusting the guy next to you that he's going to do his job. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lack of that. And I think it, it almost starts with Spags. And I'm going to say it, it starts with Spags because we're doing things on defense I've never seen the Chiefs do and we're in personnel packages I've never seen the Chiefs do, and we're doing those packages and using those packages, they're not working, and then we're getting out of them very quickly. So we did it early in the Las Vegas game where we had three corners on the field. Well, do you think that's just him? I was going to say, do you think that's just him trying to mix things up, or do you think that's him trying to find something that works consistently? If if it's a mix-up, then you have to throw it in – during the game and there has to be situations where you can look on film and go okay I understand why we're getting into three corners because the argument would be well we're putting three corners on the field that way we can play man-to-man well there's times in the game where we're not playing man-to-man our corners aren't covering anybody anyway and then we don't run that package for the rest of the game it's a it's a first quarter package so I I I would like to think that it's a mix-up but just based on the fact that we're using it very little Early in the game, I don't think it's a mix-up. I think Spags is unsure of how to use his personnel right now. So, if you think he's unsure, and do you think – and I think when we say he's unsure, it all goes back to why Willie Gay is not consistently on the field every yeah. play because they can't figure out a package that they can get into that they think he's going to be able to excel in but they also can't get him into a package where they think the entire team is going to excel. And Juan Thornhill, he didn't have many snaps either this week. so That's what I'm they, saying. Normally, yeah. mm-hmm. so if you go back to last season when Juan Thornhill was playing really good football, it was him, Daniel Sorensen at nickel, or Tyron Matthew down at nickel, and one of the other two back with Juan. And we were showing mainly a two-high shell. And if we mm-hmm. were rolling, it would roll late after the snap. So it was a disguise. But for the most part, it was always a two-high shell. 
We're not right. seeing any of that package anymore. We don't use that package at all. Instead, we have rookie Legereus Sneed playing the slot corner with stud. Ward and Breland outside. Yeah, Legereus Sneed is going to be a stud. Outside. He's going to be unreal. Oh, he needs to be outside for sure, dude. But yeah. it's just – I just don't get how we can be this late in the season. I think they came out and they did almost exactly what they did to start the season, what they did to go on their big run. And I think ever since that first Raiders game, it's kind of it's kind of rattled them just a little bit. But Spags hasn't really been able to find anything that works since then. And you know what? We're going to – these are things they have to get ready for for the playoffs because we're going to come out and we're going to roll the crap out of Denver this week. We can line up and run Bears defense or we can run some big stupid zero blitz or we can run like – have like nobody with their hand in the dirt and just line up five people in a walk-up on the line. Yep. It doesn't matter. We can run any – we can put a 10 people on defense this week. I don't think it will nope. matter, especially as bad as Denver. I have a feeling Denver is going to come out and play. It doesn't yeah, I matter. I feel like this game, speaking defensively from the Chiefs, I think you'll get a very vanilla game plan. I think Spags is really trying to find out what is his identity and what do the Chiefs do really well. That way we can force teams to play into that. The good part about all of this and our struggles on defense, Caleb, is that we've got an offense that will score 30 points a game. It does not matter. So we can take some of those risks That's of, of exactly trying to right. figure it out this late in the season. I think Denver's going to come in. Drew Locke, Drew Locke is playing terrible. Drew Locke might be out of Denver after this season. I'm not going to lie. From what I've been hearing on the – I was listening to some sports talk radio driving around today because I finally live back in the Kansas City area again. So I was driving around listening to a little sports talk today, and those dudes are all like, yeah, dude, when Denver's going to be drafting, they have a chance to draft like a, uh, a Zach Wilson from BYU yep. or a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, have to take any of those three guys. And when, yep. maybe, not, maybe not Justin Fields, but I kind of like that Trey Lance from Nodak State a little bit. They have to take one of those guys if he's there because Drew Locke is just not showing anything, and he's they're not really doing too much. So I think, they, yeah, they're going to come out and play vanilla. They're going to come out. Denver's probably going to come out and try to run the ball. So I probably – I bet you they come out this week with some more three linebacker sets. Please play Willie Gay, Spags. Please play Willie Gay. Just what we want to see. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the Chiefs do on offense this week, though, because – they came out in that snow game versus Denver game one, and that was back when Andy Reid was still really, I think, upset about the way the Chiefs' offensive line and upfront and running game was going. So the Chiefs came out and they just gouged it down their throats, and I think that was what? That was Clyde's best game of the season? Probably. Clyde's one of his better games of the entire season. What do you think the Chiefs try to do this week? It's going to be prime time at Arrowhead, 7.30 kickoff on Sunday night, which, number one, the get, I don't know how they put our game against Tampa Bay at the 4:30 slot, but they want us to play Denver on prime time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand that either. Um, Chiefs offense this week, probably, probably nothing crazy. It is a, you know, an AFC West matchup, so I do think the Chiefs will probably try to get out and get on them early. Maybe try to get a lead early, so we might be aggressive earlier, and then just. Um, try to take take control of the game and just manage the clock. This is this is one of those games that if you're on offense, it's very important to get up early, get some other guys on the field, get your starters off, get them some rest, and keep them healthy. This would be one of those games that Andy Reid is going to be punching himself if we lose a big piece, a Sammy Watkins, 
a Mecole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, knock on wood. Uh, this Don't late in the it. season to a team like Denver. You know what? What better game for the Chiefs to come out and go up about 21 in the first quarter and then cruise the rest of the, the, rest of the way through – I mean, I – and, you know, from the last time the Chiefs have played Denver, I don't think they've gotten any better. Denver certainly hasn't gotten any better, and we've seen the Chiefs. No. Chiefs are starting to come full circle. We're starting to see the whole arsenal start to shape yeah. itself a little bit, start to mold itself. So I think that's been really, really fun to see. I'd just be interested to see if they come out and pound the rock. I think they're going to do a little bit of both. I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to establish the – try to establish Clyde a little bit in Denver's, you know – Vic Fangio, I mean, it's just that classic scenario. It's like you want to die quick or do you want to die fast? Or not right. quick or fast. It's like you want to die slow or do you want to die fast? Because it's like last time we played them, we was just like, all right, we're going to hand the ball to Clyde 30 times and just kill you guys running the ball. He's going to average <laughs> six a carry. This week I bet Vic Fangio said, all right, they're probably going to fire me. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> Play the run, boys. Play the run. I'm being hey, serious. What do you think? I think this would be a good game to see how much juice does Le'Veon Bell have left left in the tank. I was getting ready to say that this week should be the Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid need to go to need to go up to LB this week and say, "All right, they're say this is your shot, this is your test." He's, Andy Reid's like, "I've drawn up the perfect game plan for you. Denver's not going to know what's going on because I've outcoached them. You're going to get the ball in space about ninety percent of your touches. Show us what you can do, and you're going to earn yourself more carries down the stretch." That should be the game plan this week. Rest yep. Clyde. Don't have to do anything too crazy. Take a couple of deep shots with Hill. Feed Kelsey. I'd like to see us get going, you know, maybe give Nicole or D-Rob some more targets this week just so. But also, you got to think on the horizon. I know you never want to think ahead in the game of football, but there's pretty big matchup looming between the Chiefs and the Saints, and the fact that the Steelers haven't lost yet is a little concerning for that first round bye, but we'll we'll figure that all out here and do all good time because, as we just said, I know we were both looking at that game today. You can't lose to Balt. You can't be in a contest with Baltimore's JV. You can't let Robert Griffin stick around in a game and expect me to take you seriously at this point. Right. So it also could be a test to how good the Ravens system is. That is also true. They, because Robert Griffin does fit that system perfectly. Very good. They uh, The Ravens draft well for what they like to do. But unfortunately, do. the Ravens' favorite thing to do is get beat by the Chiefs and Steelers these days. <laughs> and the Ravens did have nine starters out. So it could have been. I understand the Steelers were missing some starters too. But for the majority of it, they had their core team together. Yeah, the they Steelers. should have won that game by a lot. The Steelers more. had Juju, Claypool. They had, you know, James Conner was out, but I mean, their offensive line's so good. Big Ben, yeah. he looked as washed as I thought he did last year. As far yep. as the bell is, I, I mean, as much as I thought he did at the beginning of the season, there's nothing there it's, in Pittsburgh that's impressing me right now, except for the fact that they are 11 and 0 and their defense is good. It is crazy to me that people think they can watch Pittsburgh play and think that that defense will be enough to win them the game. That's what I'm saying, though. Even though your defense is good, take a look back to that team, the San Francisco 49ers, last year. Their defense was good. Double digits. Defense was good for 55 minutes. Yep. Everyone's defense is good for 55 minutes. Right. Because you're what, what's not going to happen is you're not going to stop Mahomes and you're not going to hold them under 10 points. Take a look at 2018 versus the Patriots. 
Patriots defense right. played 30 minutes of good football, and they came out and gave up 31 points in the second half. Yeah. And you're telling – I mean, I know Mike Tomlin's a good coach, but that was a Belichick coach team. Yeah. So, yeah. nothing to worry about. Cody, I think it's it's about that time. Let's hear it. About what's that your, time, huh? It's about that time. What's your uh, What's your Chiefs take for this week? My Chiefs take. Going back to – I think I'm going to go back to defense this week. I, 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 I like my Chiefs take on defense this week. My Chiefs take is the Chiefs simplify it, dumb it down a lot on defense. I think we're going to see some more Willie Gay. Um, but I don't think we'll see Willie Gay in that weak side linebacker spot that we saw him excel at in the Raiders. I mm-hmm. think Spags is going to move him around. I don't know how much he's going to play. That's a million-dollar question. I think we see more of him. Uh, but I think we dumbified down the defense and the Chiefs forced three turnovers this week. Three turnovers against Drew Locke. That's not a Chiefs take. We did that last time we played Drew Locke, didn't we? <laughs> okay, okay, fair uh, enough, fair enough. All right, all right. I got a Chiefs take for you. I bet Le'Veon Bell has 50 rushing and yards and at least 50 passing yard receiving yards this week. Woo! Ooh, baby. I hope yeah. so. He, uh, he looks good, man. He really does. He looks – he doesn't look like as good as he did back in Pittsburgh. And those, you know, best running back in the league years, but he looks like he's got a lot left. Yeah, he's a good one. He could. I still think he, if he hadn't done all the sitting out stuff and then gone to the Jets and he'd stuck right. with the Steelers and kept accumulating Pro Bowls and yards and All Pro appearances, I'd think he could have been one of the Hall of Fame running backs of our generation. Yep, he's still got still, a chance to be. Though. Still got a chance to be. You know what helps every running back get to the Hall of Fame? Super Bowls. Put, put a ring on that finger, baby. All right, <laughs> yo, this has been the Chiefs Take Podcast. This has been a production of Arrowhead Live and Border Field Sports Media. As always, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening. And, hey, go Chiefs.